But through that, David had to go live in exile, essentially. And so he was basically living alone and he was really struggling with that. He cried out to the Lord. There are so many Psalms where we can see his feelings so deeply of just, you know, cries to the Lord. Why am I going through this? But then he always comes back to the realization that God is good. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Beyond the Surface. My name is Ryan, and here with my friend Ezer, we have meaningful, God-centered conversations about topics that we find relevant for students and young adults. In today's episode, Ezer and I take a look at the life of King David. We break down his waiting period, his successes, and then ultimately his failures and God's grace. The story of David is super important. He's one of the most influential people, if not the most influential person in the Bible. We think that it's super important to take away things from his story and find people in the Bible that we can really relate to. I think this episode is packed full of really good info. So I hope that you guys enjoy this. I hope that you're encouraged by it and I hope that you're challenged by it. If you are, we would love it if you would follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And we would really appreciate it if you would share this episode with a friend. But now, without further ado, let's hop on into the conversation. Okay, so for this episode, we are going to jump in and we're going to do a little bit of a character study. We're going to go over King David's life. I think that he has a super special story. Obviously, he's the most mentioned name in the Bible. He has written a ton of the Psalms. He is just super influential. And he's somebody that I really look up to. I've really studied his story a lot in an attempt to be more like David because I would love to be described as a man after God's own heart like David was. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a really good thing to jump in and and look at some of these characters. And this is one that I've studied well. So we're going to jump in and, and talk about David today. I'm really excited to talk about David, uh, his story. When you read it, uh, just in First Samuel and Second Samuel, uh, it's just it's it's far from perfect. It kind of feels like just this, almost like this really long, endless, like almost like a dream. Like it just keeps going, and there's highs and there's lows, and there's this happening and that happening, and he makes a decision here, and then he makes a not so good decision here, and it's so I think relatable to our lives um, because I kind of feel like that's what our lives are. It's not like there's this happily ever after moment and it just flows perfectly like a movie but there's there's hiccups and there's ups and there's downs and there's really awesome moments and there's really down moments and I feel like there's a lot we can learn from David's life and how he responded to these moments so I'm excited just to get into it for sure so when we first meet David uh, David is actually a boy who's just a shepherd at this point and he's out taking care of sheep and The Lord has rejected Saul because Saul has basically rejected the Lord or Saul has kind of done his own thing. He's gone his own way. He's he's gone away from God. So God has rejected Saul as king and told Samuel, who was a prophet at the time, that he needed to go to find the next king of Israel, basically. And so Samuel went out to meet Jesse because the Lord told him that one of Jesse's sons will be the next king. One after another, Jesse presented all of his sons to Samuel. And every time Samuel said, nope, this isn't the one. Nope, this isn't the one. And all of these sons of Jesse were what you would think of when you think of a king. You know, tall, strong, handsome men. They were what what the world was expecting, what Saul was essentially. And the Lord continued to tell Samuel, nope, these aren't it. And it actually got to the point where Uh, Samuel had to say, do you have any more sons, Jesse? Like there's got to be somebody different. And Jesse said, I do have one, but he's just a boy and he's out taking care of the sheep. 
And Samuel said, you know, nobody's going to sit down until we go and fetch him. So David came back and Samuel looked at him and he said, yes, this is the Lord's anointed. And like I said, at the time, David was just a boy and it was kind of a, a shock to people. But God was looking at the heart. He was looking at what David had going on on the inside. And he knew that David was somebody who feared him. And he wasn't going to worry as much about other people's opinion. And that was really what the Lord wanted. Now, after David was anointed, he actually waited 22 years before he became king of Israel. Uh, so during that that time of waiting, a lot happened. And I know I can really relate to, to David. And I've seen you know a lot of similarities with my story to David's story just in that. You know, I felt called into medicine, but I had to apply, you know, multiple times to try and get in. And it took me a lot longer than I initially thought it would. And I remember when I was going through and facing some of the doubts and, and you know, trying to come up with the decision to persevere through this or to switch paths, somebody encouraged me and she just told me, you know, remember how long David had to wait before becoming king? <laughs> My thought then when she said that to me was, you know, but I don't want to wait. I want to go now. And it turned out that it was just the Lord, you know, preparing me along the way. And, and, you know, he had some some things to work on in me before, you know, I was ready to go. But yeah, David had to wait 22 years. And, and during that time, you know, David had to do some things like take care of the sheep, which I'm sure he probably wasn't thrilled about, you know, how, how would it feel to be anointed king of an entire nation and then be told to go back to taking care of sheep doing your job that you were doing, you know, before you were anointed. But in that field, David learned some really valuable skills. You know, he took care of his sheep and he learned to fight, essentially. He had to rescue his sheep from lions and bears and wolves. We're told that in the story when, you know, David goes and fights Goliath. Saul was kind of doubting whether or not David should be able to go fight Goliath. And, and David was able to be confident and say, the Lord delivered me when I fought, you know, lions and bears trying to rescue my sheep. He's going to deliver me in the same way now. And so because of that preparation in the field, he was able to go out and he was able to defeat Goliath and he became a great warrior. And there's passages in the Bible talking about how Saul killed his thousands, but David has tens of thousands, you know, and that wouldn't happen if David wasn't being faithful in the field where God told him to be. And then the other thing that we see is, is David learns to get really good at one of his hobbies, playing the harper. It was actually the lyre. And because David was was faithful, even with that, even with a hobby, something that he just enjoyed doing, he was able to play music that was pleasing to Saul. And so he was invited into the king's house to basically calm Saul through his anxiety because David was able to play music that Saul really found calming and soothing. And so through David's faithfulness, through his waiting, God was preparing him to put him in positions that would eventually allow him to to come to power. That last point that you brought up about David and his skillful playing at the lyre is what really relates to me the most. And what I think I've learned so much from, and I believe we all can learn, is that spirit of excellence. See, something I've learned from David's life is that excellence is actually a spirit. Uh, our church is all the time you know, encouraging us to do everything uh, unto the Lord. And, and everything we do when we're volunteering um, and all the little things, um, just to be really excellent and to be very careful and very detailed. And I think. Uh, sometimes people, uh, and, and we talked about this a little bit in the the work episode, but sometimes people kind of, you know, take God's grace and take uh, just their faith and kind of use it as an excuse for not working hard and not 
getting good at what it is that God has put in their hands. And in this case, God had placed a liar in David's hand. And earlier, he had placed a slingshot in David's hand to take down Goliath. So the, the thing about with King Saul and David finding favor in the king's eyes, to be completely honest with you, I don't think uh, King Saul was very interested in David's faith. I don't think King Saul was interested in the fact that David prays a lot and he's really devoted to the Lord. What attracted King Saul to David was that he played his instrument really well. And that's that's what it is. So I I say this because I I don't I don't want this message to kind of be translated as, you know, turning a bunch of Christians into a bunch of tryhards and that we have to be the best at everything. That being said, I think there's something so beautiful when believers and Christians are shining at the top, uh, just even in the secular realm. Um, because we are skillful and we're really good at what we're doing, whether that's a sport, whether that's an athlete at the Olympics, you know, giving glory to God uh, with their gold medal or whether it's elsewhere. I just think excellence is a spirit uh, and is a spirit that can draw men unto the Lord. Yeah, 100 percent. It's just attractive, right? Like it's more attractive to be successful at what you do. People are going to be more drawn to that. So you want to do the things that you do well, you know, for that reason, as much as you know, because we just want to simply be honoring to the Lord, but we're going to have more opportunity to influence people, uh, to, to win people over for the kingdom, I guess, if we can do things well and they can see, you know, God is faithful to grant us grace for the pace and God is faithful to grant us favor when we're faithful to him, you know, so I think that that's important. But some of the other things that, that David faced in the waiting that I think is like really relatable, especially if you're somebody who's going through a period of waiting, or maybe you're going through a period of heartbreak. I know we did a whole episode on that, or you're just feeling alone. David faced and dealt with all of these feelings. And essentially what happened is actually David's faith was intimidating to Saul. Saul knew that the Lord had anointed David as king and Saul wasn't like ready to give up his kingship. And so he actually chased David and was trying to kill him. And the Lord constantly delivered David from Saul. But through that, David had to go live in exile, essentially. And so he was basically living alone. And he was really struggling with that. He cried out to the Lord. There are so many Psalms where we can see his feelings so deeply of just, you know, cries to the Lord, why am I going through this? But then he always comes back to the realization that God is good. And he he always praises God. And, and you know, we, we get to see David kind of struggle through that and, and struggle with God and, and God respond and just comfort David and provide safety for David. Through all that, David really learned to lean and, and trust on the Lord. And we see that in the fact that David really trusted God's timing for his anointing of becoming king, right? And so David developed such a deep bond with the Lord that while David was in exile and Saul was looking for him, Saul actually wandered alone into one of the caves where David was hiding, and David had the perfect opportunity to kill Saul. And some of the people that were with David said, this is the perfect opportunity that the Lord has given him into your hands. But uh, God God told David, nope, this isn't the time, and, and David trusted that, and so David waited. And that actually happened twice. David had two opportunities where he could have killed Saul and then taken over the kingdom, and it, and it had been his. But the Lord said, nope, you need to wait. And so the... The Lord was good, and eventually Saul did fall in battle, and the kingdom was given over to to David, and it was it was all good in the Lord's timing, and that's what's ultimately the most important 
piece of what I'm trying to say is that even through these hardships, even through this exile, you know, I'm sure David didn't enjoy it. He wanted that period to be over. It would have been nice if just, you know, killed Saul and become king and he could return home. But he trusted God so much that he knew that he needed to wait. And I think that that's just a really good encouragement that, yes, we can trust God. And in the end, you know, it's going to be better than if we try to force our timing on things. Absolutely. Something I've learned from David and just from other figures in the Bible is that timing is everything. Timing is so important. Being on God's timeline and not man's. This is what is going to put you ahead. This is what is going to cause these coincidences that aren't even coincidences, but just how everything just aligns up so perfectly and you can't even explain it in your life. I've had that happen before um, where it's just like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was just that perfect timing. And it was because I had waited and I trusted in the Lord. I know I definitely experienced that uh, just coming into this uh, new position that I'm in right now at work. I didn't think that I would be able to get a job right after college. And I didn't think that I was going to have any favor not having any work experience or an internship. But I had waited patiently because I knew that God had something planned for me. And I had this peace and this confidence. And uh, sure enough, things just started lining up with uh, a connection with another friend of mine and meeting his boss. And eventually his boss became my boss. And it was just an amazing all in the Lord's timing. And I knew that if I had tried to take things into my own hands and tried to do it on my own terms, it just wasn't going to work out the way um, that it would had I just trusted in the Lord. Uh, so timing is everything. God has a timeline. God sees the end. He already knows what's coming. So we can't help but just to trust him because we don't know what's coming, but he does. So we might as well just just trust him just so um, passionately and so desperately like David does. Um, because what else do we have, honestly? Like, if I were you, I would just take a careful look at your life and really honestly consider, is my life better in my hands or in God's hands? And really, like, wrestle with that. Because I know for a fact that I'm I'm trusting the Lord because there's no way I could do anything, right? Like, there's no possible way. And I don't say that uh, in a in a cynical way. It's just literally, I just need the Lord. And everything that I have laid my hand to in God's will and in God's timing has prospered and succeeded. And I, I came to realize that that God knows what's best for me. And I would encourage you to really uh, wrestle with that as well. Um, just just really question and ask, like, God, do you have what's best for me? And I, and I think God's going to reveal that to you and show it to you that he does. Yeah, that's super good. And then ultimately, in David's story, we get to see that. We get to see David eventually become crowned king of Israel, and we get to see his rule. In David's rule, he accomplished a lot of really great things. And again, he went at the direction of the Lord, right? So David was prompted by God to start the rebuilding of the temple in Israel, God's house. Ultimately, David didn't get to see that come to fruition. That would be completed under his son's reign. But David started the process of the rebuild of the temple. David defeated the Philistines and entered into a time of rest, which, you know, again, just shows God's faithfulness. It shows that God does provide us rest. It shows us that God is good in that regard. Uh, Israel was at war with the Philistines for a long, long time, and they maybe won battles here and there, but this was like an ongoing conflict. It was something that wasn't ending, something that Saul was unable to to finish. He wasn't able to give Israel freedom from war with the Philistines, but David was and he was able to enter into, I think, 15 years of peace from fighting the Philistines. And eventually they did go back to war with the Philistines. But for a long, long time, they did have, you know, peace. So 
there was a lot of a lot of great victories in in David's reign. One of the things that I think is really interesting too is just his his commitment to being a man of his word, essentially. Jonathan was one of Saul's sons, and Jonathan and David were super, super close. They were best friends. They were closer than brothers. And Jonathan asked David to take care of his family. And we do see that, that David, even though it probably would have made more sense to kill off the last of Saul's family, just to make sure that there were no questions that David is king and he's to reign, David invited the last remaining relative of Saul, which was Jonathan's son, to eat at his table. And he said, you know, you you won't go hungry. I'll take care of you, essentially. And I think that that's just really cool that we see David being a faithful man of his word, David taking care of those who are in need and and just, you know, his his heart. David's story is so vast and there's so many little nuances to it. And I've heard about David all my life and I've you know gone to Sunday school, but it wasn't till about like a few months ago that I actually learned about this story with Jonathan's uh, relative and how David um, cared for and took him in as his own. And I actually did a little bit more research on it. And I realized just how countercultural this was, um, because typically when a king, a new king would come to power, they would eliminate um, the family of the the previous king and take out anybody else uh, just to make sure that there's no balance of power. There's no nobody else that could try to come and you know, claim power and claim the throne. And this was a very countercultural and very different thing that David had done, which was just so beautiful that he was essentially forgiving what could be a potential enemy and essentially allowing him um, to eat at his table and you will not go hungry um, ever again. And I think the the man's response was like, you know, who am I that I should be eating with the king or something like that? And I think to a degree, that's like all of us as well. Like, who are we that we get to know God personally? Who are we that that we get to be in God's presence, that we can come before him boldly as his own. I think it's just such a beautiful parallel. And, you know, there's so much more to David's story that I just absolutely love. Yeah. And I mean, we could talk about David's story for forever. There's just so many things to dive into. But one thing that I do want to get into that I think is really important, a really important piece of David's story is the fall of David, essentially, the fall and the the re-rise of David. So, we see David make a huge mistake, and then he tries to cover up that mistake. It compounds, and it gets worse. And obviously, we can't cover anything. We can't hide anything from God. So for those of you who don't know, David, while his his army is at war, David decides to stay at home for whatever reason. The Bible doesn't give us a ton of context. We don't know why David decided to stay home, but he does. And while he's at home, he sees a beautiful woman bathing. He lusts after her, essentially, and being the king, he wants her, so he gets her, basically, and um, he gets her pregnant and then finds out that she's married and that her husband is actually a noble man in David's army fighting on the front lines where David should be, and David calls him home and tries to have him sleep with his wife so that you know nobody knows that it was David who got her pregnant. This guy was so noble and faithful to the Israelite army that he said, nope, I shouldn't be here. I'm going to sleep outside. I'm not going to go sleep with my wife. Like I can't do it. So David had him sent back to the battlefield and had him put on the front lines and then had everybody else in the army pull back so that he would be killed. And he was killed ultimately. So not only did David commit adultery, but then David committed murder to cover it up. And obviously, you know, the Lord saw that and that caused a lot of a lot of difficulty in David's life. 
that was something that really plagued David, his reputation, uh, that, that hurt his army, that hurt his heart. There's a lot of things that happened that were repercussions because of that. But what I want to focus on is that it's not a story of like, that was David's fall and that was it and he was done. David was still recognized as a man after God's own heart, and God was still able to use David to complete things in Israel and to finish things in Israel. It was actually after this all happened that David defeated the Philistines. So, um, you know, God still allowed him to do that even after this fall. And what happened was David repented. He, He turned from his ways. He said, God, I've sinned. He was honest with God, and God forgave him and healed him from that and then still used him to do great things. So I think it's really important for us because, you know, how many times have we sinned or, you know, lied or hurt somebody else and that just stays with us and we feel so guilty, we feel so beat up about it or we're beating ourselves up for it, you know, and we're having a hard time getting through it or maybe we feel like because of that we're not going to be blessed by God or we're not going to have God's favor in our lives. But David's story shows us that that's just not the case. We can, you know, turn from those ways. We can be honest with God. We can ask for forgiveness, and our God is is just and He's merciful, and He is somebody that's going to step in and forgive us, and He's still going to use us to accomplish great things. Nobody is perfect, you know. Our God knows that that we're all fallen. We're we're human. That's why He sent His Son. That's the beauty of the cross and of the Christian relationship is just that we know that you know, the Lord did this for us and that we can be forgiven for these things. And so I think that David's story is just really encouraging for us to look back and say, the man after God's own heart wasn't perfect. He committed sins that in our culture today, we would consider the worst of the worst sins. In their culture, that it was considered the worst of the worst sins. Yet God still used him to do big things. God still forgave him. God still loved him. I think, I think there's something to be said about repentance. What is repentance? It's simply just a change in your mind. It's it's actually described as a turn. You're simply turning. You're going one way and you turn to another way. And David, he he repented of his sin. And there's this confrontation. The prophet Nathan, he came before David and he basically called him out and said, "Hey, you have sinned before God. You have you have you've done some really awful things um, to a lot of different people. You've hurt people, and ultimately, you've hurt God." Uh, and it's such a chilling conversation and exchange of dialogue. And when I read it, I just I just realized how how serious this was that Nathan was really calling out the king. And, um, you know, the book of Psalms, it's many of them are written by David. And sometimes the Psalms have a little um, a subtitle, you know, in this case, Psalm 51, I want to read from it. And it has this little subtitle um, where it explains that David had written this uh when the prophet Nathan, it, he came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And it's this beautiful psalm of repentance. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. I love that line that he says, against you and you alone. You know, David ruined his whole reputation. The whole nation is looking to him. And, and David's probably, David could be more concerned about what other people think of me or what Bathsheba thinks of me or his other wife or something like that. I just think of like, you know, on YouTube, there's all these apology videos when somebody messes up or politicians will issue a statement or a, a company will 
issue a statement what they messed up or honestly sometimes even like churches and pastors will issue these these self-righteous statements that are just like just trying to 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 cover it up and put it under the table and try to make themselves look good where david in his case he's you know making a statement before the lord and just saying god i sinned against you i don't care about anything else i don't care about what other people think of me i have sinned before you it's really different from when king saul was being confronted with sin and king saul was kind of a little bit more embarrassed of what other people think of him and he wasn't really concerned about what the lord had to think of it so i think there is just something to be said like man if you've messed up just repent turn turn from one way you're going one way go another way uh, don't keep going down the wrong path if you're heading down the wrong path just turn around and come back the lord wants you there he's gonna embrace you he wants you to come back to him and he's gonna meet you there and he's gonna wipe away all your sin he i'm I mean, scripturally speaking, Jesus has already uh, forgiven you. Like Jesus has, you know, with the finished work of the cross, your sin is already forgiven. Now walk out in that righteousness. Walk out in that victory. Don't keep stumbling and going down the wrong path. Um, Have some accountability. Bring some people alongside you and say, hey, I need help in this. Uh, I want to leave this lifestyle. I want to leave my sin. And I want to walk out in God's victory. I might need a little help in this. Uh, again, repentance. It's actually a really beautiful thing. It's it's often, you know, seen as this kind of a religious and and hard word in, in the church but it's it's the most beautiful thing ever when someone is going one way and they just turn another way yeah definitely it's it's uh a really cool thing to see it's really cool how the lord is, is faithful in that and how the lord was faithful in david's story and he was forgiving and he was just it's awesome and there's so much that we could talk about in david but you know i think those are kind of the main things that i wanted to hit just because I think that it's important that we see the perseverance and the preparation and the perseverance. I think that it's important that we celebrate the victories when God gives them to us and that we take the time to acknowledge that they came from God and, you know, God gave us the grace and God gave us the strength to be able to do those things. And I think that it's important to stay humble so that we don't have slip ups and that we make sure that we continue to keep our eyes on God. But if we do slip up, we remember, you know, we just have to turn from that and we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We have to remember the finished work of the cross. Remember that that's what makes us complete and that's what makes us whole. And we're never going to be able to measure up to God's standard anyways. So there's no point in beating ourselves up for, you know, our sins or for our, our shortcomings. No, we shouldn't just use that as an excuse to get away with whatever we want or do whatever we want. But we shouldn't beat ourselves up. We shouldn't dwell on those things. We should be able to move past them and continue moving forward and trying to become more Christ-like each and every day because of that grace and that forgiveness. So thank you all so much for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend and we can't wait to see you back here on Thursday. Have a great week as you go and love God and love people.